0: you're made for more, so don't be afraid to move, your faith is all to you, but you know you're made for more, but don't be afraid. hope it's going. You can't see where you're going. And you don't have to be afraid. So what do you-
1: sermon jordan you did a great job go ahead and if you have your bulletin and your bible follow along in the bulletin obedience creates opportunity so i ask you what are you waiting for time to get busy for the lord and uh, i want to go ahead and grab these scriptures in matthew and luke 16 two very powerful scriptures our priorities and how we look at life in Matthew chapter 25, and then also Luke 16. It's been a good week. Uh, just so, a lot of stuff going on this time of the year. It's hard to believe it's November. Uh, of course, with all the uh, different things happening, and uh, looking forward to Christmas time. Thanksgiving's all about food, uh, families, get togethers, and uh, those things. I hear the stories. And uh about people trying to make it to their different family members trying to please everybody is hard at the holidays trying to get to all the right houses and and different ones and it is almost impossible but did you know this that there's only one person we're supposed to please and that's the Lord and uh, you're not yes you are to try to be nice and and go to everybody and try to please everybody but the main person you got to please is the lord jesus christ he's he's number one should be in your life let's take a look at these uh as kind of a misunderstood subject and i hope you're there i hope you're ready to look at these two passages matthew chapter 25 and verse 21 his lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And of course, this is words spoken by Jesus concerning faithfulness with somebody who had been given a few talents or a few little things. And that's what he said. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, this here is a, A scripture that uh, has to do with really stewardship and uh, uh, finances and what you will. But the principle is great. It says in Luke 16 verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And... uh, in the introduction, it's just a real simple premise. The title "Opportunity," excuse me, obedience creates opportunity. There's a major misconception. I'm just going to read it out of the uh, out of the bulletin that exists about how God gives opportunities to His people to do something for Him. Many people want God to first give them great opportunities so they can display great obedience. But often, until then, they won't be obedient with what they've already been given. And there's two examples there that I have for you. And uh, in looking at that, so I, I want to live for the Lord. I'm saved now. I'm a member of Promised Land and people that are superficial Christians or maybe they haven't walked with the Lord or maybe they don't understand what the Word of God teaches concerning these areas. They say, man, okay, I'm ready. I just got saved. Send me to Africa. I want to tell people, I want to go to work for the Lord, I want to go to Belize, I want to go to the Philippines, I want to do this, I want to do that. But a lot of times we say, man, I'll witness to somebody. But if we're not witnessing to people here in Ashley County, in Chico County, in wherever county you may live, Union County, whatever, then guess what? We're not going to witness to anybody anywhere else either. Well, or they say, man, if I I've heard this a bunch in my life, man, if I only had a million dollars, what would I do with man? I tell you what, I I would give it all away. No, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, we think, you know, what would I do if I had this or I had that? But if we're not using what you have now for the Lord, God's not. going, Why would He? Why why would He give us any more? Why would he give us any extra if we're not going to be faithful with what we have? Again, you have opportunity. Now, you say, well, I need this, I need that. Use what we have. Use what you've got. Let's take a look. I have four examples right out of God's Word. You're going to have to head back all the way to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. Genesis 39, and look quickly at these examples and passage. Joseph had to be faithful in slavery and in prison before God put him in charge over Egypt. In Genesis 39, verses 1 through 5, the Word of God says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him into the of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had bought, brought him thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of all his house that he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. I'll just stop there. So before this, Joseph was a slave. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up at Potiphar's house. Of course, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph, gets Joseph thrown in prison. You read that scripture later. And then the last scripture That I have there for you. I want you to skip. And it's kind of a theme. With our hard questions real answers. That we just finished up with. In Genesis chapter 50. And verse 20. Now Joseph is the. uh, Vice president of Egypt. And if you read that other scripture. That I put in there for you. It says that uh, Pharaoh saw. That man this guy. He's got his stuff together. You know think about it. You're in. You were in the county lockup, and you you went from a slave to the prison. Now you're vice president. Sounds like some of our politicians, doesn't it? Okay, <laughs> you know some of our politicians have been around the ringer, and then all of a sudden, well, now they're in office. And look at them, you know, and all the baggage that they have. But guess what? Everywhere Joseph went, he was faithful as a slave. You say, I remember whenever I had I thought it was just the the sorriest job ever but it was the only job i could find I, my church i was pastoring was in the middle of nowhere i mean we're in out my, me and karen just get married we're living an hour and 10 minutes from the nearest walmart okay all right and the closest store is uh is uh, the store and uh and right there in castor and i get it later and i'm thinking oh man i from brother clarence and i can't remember the guy's name but anyway he can tell me after church and and we'd go there for groceries and and different things and i mean we're way out there and i get a job as assistant log scaler i'm thinking man i'm on the wrong end of the stick on the wrong end of the tape measure and this is just but guess what it was a gift from god because it was five minutes from the house i took like at that time uh three and a half dollar hour cut and pay and i mean you know and we we got married in 1989 that's that's a big amount now per hour and that surely was back then and so anyway and so and i'm just thinking man i just but guess what i don't care if you think your job is the sorriest job in the world or what you think about your job or your place of employment or your boss If you're working nowadays, you need to praise the Lord, okay? You're working, you say, man, I just don't, I just... He was faithful in prison. He was faithful as a slave. He served the Lord no matter his position, and God made him vice president of Egypt. Read the scriptures. And then his brothers come to him during the famine in in Genesis 50, verse 20. And what does he say? You meant all those things for evil. God turned them out and made them good. And so, I mean, we whine and complain and we say, I want to serve the Lord, but how can God bless you whenever we don't even use what we have now? Next example, Moses. He had to be faithful on the backside of the desert. You know, and I could turn to Exodus and read it there, but when Stephen was preaching in Acts chapter 7, and we'll get to Stephen in just a second, That uh, he summed it up perfectly, and he's telling the people his own countrymen, his own fellow country people. He's preaching to them, and he's telling them about you know the story of Moses. At least they all did. And the Bible says in Acts chapter seven, verse twenty-three, this is Stephen talking about one of their forefathers. it be like me saying, "You, let me tell you about George Washington." Let me tell you a story about him. And that's when Stephen's preaching to his fellow Jews about Moses is the same thing. as saying like, let me tell you about George Washington. In Acts chapter 7, verse 23, and when he was 40 years old, who's 40? Moses. He came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Remember, the first 40 years of his life, he's been raised as sort of speak, uh, you know, along with Pharaoh's family. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, remember the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt, he defended him, avenged him that was oppressed, smote the Egyptian, and he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand... Thank you, sir. Looking sharp today. All right, And, uh, and so how that he delivered them, but they understood not. In other words, he's thinking... Well, I'm supposed to help out. <laughs> and uh, the next day, he showed himself unto them that strove. And they said, uh, sirs, you are brethren. You're brothers. Why do you do wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee ruler or judge over us? You're going to kill me like you did your Egyptian? Well, it all came out. Moses killed somebody. He had to run from Egypt. He wound up on the backside of the desert. And the Bible says in verse 29, Moses fled at this saying, was a stranger in the land of Midian, the Midian is the Greek, where he begat two sons, and when, he was, and when 40 years were expired, wait a second, he was 40 years old whenever he left Egypt. He's on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Folks, that's a long time to be stuck out in the country. So guess what? Moses made some mistakes along the way but he he recognized God for who he was and God's patiently waiting. Folks, this fella doesn't go into the ministry till he's 80. And you think, well, I'm 70 now, I'm 65, I just started drawing social security. Oh, that's it. That's a wrap. Life is winding down. It may just be winding up. It may just be getting started. God's saying, okay, you call yourself retired, it's time for you to go to work. You think that was, now you're going to be working for the Lord. And Moses, so he looks at him, and he says, you've been faithful, and through the burning bush, God calls Moses, take off your sandals, get your Reeboks off your feet, come on down here. And he did And he says, and he come up with excuses, and I've heard all y'all's excuses, and it's no better than his, okay? So y'all don't be coming to the preacher, Brother Michael, and say, I can't. I've heard it plenty of times. I can't. I don't have time. I ask a Promised Land church member to help me. There's going to be excuses. Sometimes there's reasons. Some. And if you want to know the difference between a reason and an excuse after church, I'll tell you, but that's another sermon. But okay, it doesn't matter your age. You, I mean, this guy's 80. He could have claimed something about the arthritis, but he only had 40 years left. He died at 120. You say, well, I may die at 80. Or I may whatever. Miss Francis had a birthday this week, and she turned 90. Guess what she did this morning? She taught Sunday school at 90. What about that? Not retired yet. Going strong. We're at the state meeting. I'm talking to Gwen about her birthday. She said, ninety, that is amazing. Still teaching. Guess what she's going to do tonight, Lord willing? Going to teach again. And so, so on and so forth. Don't think, well, I'm just, it's time. I'm drawing Social Security. That's all she wrote. Moses is a great example of how to go to work no matter your age. But again, God's waiting to see. If you're going to be faithful with what you got, are you going to raise your kids, your grandkids, have an impact on them, bring them to church, take them to church? David had to be faithful. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Neat story. You're talking about a wimpy shepherd boy. He happened to be a pretty good-looking guy. But he's a wimp. He's a weenie. But guess what? God was his strength. And guess what? He may have been a runt. He wasn't, you know, he tried to put on Saul's armor. (laughs) He said, man, I have not ever used this stuff before. I'm going to go with what I know. But in a great story, you ought to... Just to, today, this afternoon, it take you five minutes. Just put, take the DVR, pause the football this afternoon, afternoon, and read First Samuel seventeen. It take you five minutes. Great story, okay? And uh, let's just read a few verses. First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse twenty. <clears throat> David rose up early in the morning. His dad Jesse had said, "Hey, need you go check on your brothers? They're at war with the Philistines." And uh, he left the sheep with a keeper. So he got the assistant log scaler (laughs) to to keep the sheep. And uh, so he goes down there. He took the sheep, left them. Jesse commanded him. And he came to the trench. Man, there's a foxhole there, okay? And everybody's shouting back and forth. Israel, verse 21, the Philistines. Verse 22, David left his carriage. So basically, he's got the four-wheeler. With the trailer behind it, okay? And you know his four-wheeler's helm or the mule, all right? And uh, so he leaves the carriage there. He ran to the army, saluted his brothers. He talked with them about this Philistine giant. And uh, David heard them. All the men of Israel are scared to death, verse 24. But guess what? The runt isn't. And uh, he said, you men of Israel. And the men of Israel, have you seen this man? (laughs) And I love it if you keep reading, uh, David spake unto the men saying this, What shall be done with this, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And uh, in verse 28, his older brother said, You are just come down here being naughty. You left your sheep. What's the matter? But here's the key. Verse 29. I finally got to it after summing the story up. David said, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Well, guess what? There is a cause. And I may be undermanned. I may be undersized. I may be under budget. I may be under a lot of things. But, you know, the thing is, he was faithful with his sheep. And if you read the story and the other scriptures that I have for you, they said, man, you're you're just a sheep herder. What are you going to do? He said, well, I guarantee you. I do a pretty good job of taking care of my sheep. One time, a big old bear came out of the woods and was gonna attack my sheep. <laughs> you know, super slingshot. Boom! <laughs> and then a lion, you know, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm deer hunting and a lion comes out, I'm not gonna own enough bullets, okay? There's gonna be a bunch of bullets flying everywhere. You know, and he had a slingshot. And what does he do? He says, I kill the lion and the bear and I don't care how big he is. The bigger they are, amen, the harder they fall. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. But his strength was from the Lord. And he didn't have a 30-6 or a 270, a slingshot. But guess what? He was faithful with his sheep. So he was the man for the job. Man for the job. The last guy is just a plain old church member. And guess what I'm looking at this morning. You say, what are you calling me a plain old church member for? That's just it. You say, I'm just a church member. Time to go to work. I'm just a church member. Perfect. You don't have to be a preacher to serve the Lord. You don't have to be a deacon to serve the Lord. But here is just a regular church member now a lot of people think that these seven guys were first elected deacons and 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 very well could be may have just been like predecessors because they're not called in acts deacons i grant you that they're, but they they fit basically the deacons are we recognize you you're you're we want to you want to go the extra mile all right you want to be and by the extra mile doesn't mean That they run the church. Our deacons don't run the church. They make a suggestion, but they're just, they say, where can I go to work? What can I do for you? You know, and we look to them for leadership or advice or whatever. Just, you know, most of them have a lot of experience serving others. That's why they got the position. No deacon should run the church. I don't run the church. The Lord runs the church. We're a team. And looking at these men here in Acts chapter 7 broke it down for you in the outline. Just a just neat sermon popped out. Actually, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I said 7. 7 a sermon. So even a, I, you may be just a church member, but you could preach a sermon. It may be in a Sunday school class. It may be for a devotion. But that just means proclaiming the word of God. All right, but Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I'm not going to read it all. That's where uh, these men uh, are elected. And uh, let's just look at verses uh, 1 through 3 or 4 here. In those days, the church is growing in Jerusalem. Man, that's really cool. The church is growing. But it says there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the hebrews because their widows were neglected basically saying that uh some of the widows weren't getting enough attention and then the 12 preachers in the church that's a lot of preachers in the church now (laughs) you know they got 12 of them remember uh judas's (laughs) so they elected matthias and then they got back up to 12 but they, some of them are running over here to southeast Jerusalem working. Some of them are running over here to west Jerusalem, and they're working, and they're trying to get people and teaching them. And so I'm teaching all the people that are older. I'm teaching all the people that are younger. But anyway, all of a sudden, all the preachers are doing a lot of other work besides studying the Bible. And uh, so it says in verse 2, it's not reason. In other words, it doesn't make sense that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Okay, if y'all want us to quit preaching and go serving tables, that's, that's not what God wants us to do, so there's something going on. And uh, the brethren, it says, look ye out among you. Now, this was the preachers, get it? The preachers asked the church to find some men. You know, that's the biblical mandate. A lot of times the church says, we need deacons or we need this. But here the preacher says, we need some help. We need some help. And uh, we want to find some men that are honest, report, honest living, full of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they're saved and they act like they're saved. Amen? <laughs> they're saved because some church members don't always act like we're saved. Well, that's true. And I don't care what church you join in the world. <laughs> it's going to be that way. You say, well, I'll go over here to this side of the county. It doesn't. You go across the planet, every church has church members that don't live right. All right, And it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word, which is the two most ultimate things that God called every preacher to do, to pray for his church members. You know, I've been, uh, thank the Lord, been trying to get back healthy. And uh, it was kind of funny, I was telling somebody the blessing that God gave, I started running again, and I was going up Miss Joanne's Road, and I got up to 3.2 miles, which is a 5K, and I said one day I said I'm just going to try it. I haven't done it since I was a teenager. I'm going to do. And I measured off and I found out from just past my driveway to the end of the Promised Land Road and back is the 10K, which is 6.2 miles. So I took off and I ran it. And I, and I didn't have my iPod with me or to listen to a sermon or music. But every church member's house I passed, I said I'm going to pray for them. And so every time I run my 6.2 miles, I pray for the people. Every house I passed. With well, the person I was telling that to lives down here, <laughs> I said, I said, when are you gonna run that away, okay? And uh, so I said, well, you left me off, so I, I'll get there, okay? I'll get there, but just you know, that is to me, and I have come over here before when there's nothing but one light on, and I've sat in these pews. I, you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, Brother Michael's this, bro I'm not. But I know how much I love to pray and study God's word. And if I can sit in your pew and pray for you, because I know about where all of you sit, unless I ask you to move, and y'all have before, and I appreciate y'all being open and willing, and what have you. But prayer, and th- but Stephen, get back to him. These guys were neat. These guys, matter of fact, I asked the men this morning. I just said I told them I needed some help, and different things. I can't do it all, and neither can Trey. But anyway. Stephen, he steps up. And basically, the whole point of the, this last point is this. Stephen says, Man, I'll, I'll sweep. I'll go by Sister So and so's house. I got you, preacher. You just got, you take care of feeding me spiritually. And I got you back. I'm going to go sweep. I'm going to go put up. I'm going to go work. I'll nail a nail. I'll do this. Preacher, I got it. All right, and especially you know why these men were so willing because those twelve guys were working when you see a preacher that is working and somebody is working, you want to help them. you want to do right, and I say that same. well, he's trying to get people to help. it don't matter. I don't care who the pastor is here if he's working, if he's doing his job, support him, pray for him, lift him up, do you know every preacher, and there's there's a gazillion other preachers. That are working their backside off all over this world right now. All over this world. They are working, doing missionaries. They need our prayers, they need our support. This is not a, this, again, I do not run the church. The deacons don't run the church. This is the Lord's church. We run it together as a team. You know, I may ask the church to do something. It don't matter if the church goes for it or not. I'm going to ask something else. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to try to constantly be pushing y'all closer to the Lord. Or I'll lead you there if you'll follow. Either way. Either way. Okay? And uh, Stephen says, I got it. Now get this. He was elected Sunday school teacher of the class. He only taught one lesson. short tenure he, matter of fact if you read the next part finish chapter 6 this says he did miracles man this guy he was full of the holy ghost and wisdom and everything this guy's busy it's like the next week he has an opportunity to preach you say a deacon not called to preach no he wasn't but he was willing and he said i'll speak up to my countrymen and guess what He knew that his fellow citizens, his fellow Jews, were narrow-minded and hard-headed. You know anybody like that? Don't say any words. Okay, don't be punching anybody. All right, but narrow-minded and hard-headed. He says, I don't care how they act, and I know my relatives are hard-headed and narrow-minded, but I'm going to speak up for the Lord anyway. And they killed him. Folks, it's repeated not only in uh, Acts 8:1 that Saul was consenting unto the death of Stephen, but later on, if you read in the book of Acts when uh, Paul gives his testimony to Festus, Felix, or one of those guys—I forget which one—he mentions Stephen, and he says, I, "I saw him die." They laid his clothes down at the feet of Saul. Later on, Paul. His death had an impact on a man that changed the world, second to Jesus, of course. A fellow who says, I'll sweep the floors. If you're faithful in saying, man, where's the paintbrush? Where's the hammer? Who'd you say needs a phone call? Who'd you say needs an encouragement? What class needs a little help? I'll do it. If you're faithful, if you're faithful in the little things, God will give you an opportunity you won't believe. But if you say, Well, I'm not going to be faithful, God's not. Why would God give you another greater opportunity, a greater opportunity, if we won't be faithful in what we're doing now? And I'm guilty. Mine and your flesh sometimes we look afar off and we say oh i would love it if that would happen oh i would love it if this would happen oh if i only had man if we what could we do to this auditorium what could we do with this or what could we do with that what before the days that, before god gave us this family life center before god gave us this building here were we faithful in the old auditorium was promised land faithful in the church that sat right over here or wherever it sat. And then God gave that auditorium. And then God gave this auditorium. And then God gave the family life center. All I ask and all God asks. Will we be faithful with what we have? And then God will take care of the rest. But that's all God asks. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. <laughs> Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father, you have great opportunities that you would like to give us. And dear Lord, I pray that we would realize that before those opportunities can happen, we have to be faithful with what we have and where we are. Help us to be faithful in our marriages. Help us to be faithful in our homes. Help us to be faithful on our job. So that we can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.